Are we losing the art of compromise in veterinary medicine? This week, we talk about what happens when the gray areas of client communication and veterinary professionals get lost and blurred, and how can we try to overcome the polarization that is striking our profession? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we're going to discuss something that we're hearing a lot about, and that is, are we losing the middle ground when it comes to our recommendations to clients and pet parents all around the country? Are we losing the opportunity to compromise and negotiate, or have we become so polarized and entrenched in our own beliefs that we just aren't able to hear the other side's viewpoints and perspectives? But before we get into that conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, welcome back! Thank you. We missed you. Where did, tell tell them everybody where you, you went. <laughs> so I got to spend a couple days um, in the northern Midwest, making sure that a couple dogs who were rescued by the ASPCA get sent to their forever, well, their next stop to their forever home. So um, I missed you guys, but Freedom Rides are always the best, and I was happy to get some time to do it. So I'm back. And Becky, we're just so proud of you. I mean, what the work you do just helping pets in need is is just so commendable. So again, thank you for, for all you do. You're amazing. I'm lucky to do it. Thank you. Well, this week, unfortunately, Becky, you have walked right back into a tough topic because this, guys, came about, at least for me, from an article that I ran into over the weekend. And I say ran into because it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think you're going to relate to this in just a second. But there's a very large retirement community down in a southern state. And we'll leave it at that for now. And there was a recent vote on allowing dogs and Restaurants, And so we're starting to see this all across the country where municipalities and cities and, and local ordinances are being loosened to allow dogs to come in, especially in like outdoor seating. And apparently, you know, this sparked quite a controversy in this retirement community. And where the action was, was in the comments, Becky. And really, <laughs> there were hundreds of comments and they, they really were on two opposite sides of the spectrum. And viewfinders, you're going to probably relate to this right away. The first end of the spectrum were people that say, hey, they're like my babies. They should be able to come into a restaurant. You know, obviously we want you to make special accommodations. Maybe it's outdoor seating. But those were the people that were kind of like us, right? They said, hey, you know, I'd like to be able to go enjoy a sunny afternoon with my dog at my feet. But then, Becky, the other extreme Dogs are filthy animals. They should never be anywhere near food. Don't bring your dog into my restaurant, right? And and Becky, what what really shocked me was there was no middle ground. There was no like you know people saying, well, hey, maybe in certain situations it's okay. And and Becky, is that reflective of the polarization that we're seeing larger, you know, in our country right now? Right. Yeah, I think that was kind of the thing it made me think of when we were talking about this article. Is just, of course they were because. It feels like we've had really, really strong, big topics to talk about, right? And I also think with the pandemic and, and things sort of locking down, we we sort of had life in a vacuum, right? So there was very little things to talk about and argue about. They came down to very strongly basically being, you know, belief-based and politically based for like a year, right? So I think we've gotten to this point where we're all so used to and acclimated to um, sort of like, again, living in this vacuum of our own beliefs and then having to feel like we're like sort of like it's it's your way or my way all of a sudden instead of, um, 
like you said, this middle ground of like even asking more information. Hey, does this mean indoor seating? Is this for five star restaurants? Am I going to go to a Michelin star and and be sharing dinner with a Pekingese? Or are we talking about like bars and restaurants and breweries that are like open air? And, you know, it doesn't feel like one, we're being provided the whole story off of the get go, right? Like, so this clickbait title thing is now a really big deal. It's and it's what people are yeah. going for. So they they put that polarizing statement at the top. And um, and then I think people are reciprocating with just as much strength back at it. And one of the things that was interesting, the proposed legislation to allow a restaurant, if they chose to do so voluntarily, and if they met certain requirements, then they could allow pets into the restaurant facility, right? And really, it was limited to more to an outdoor seating type of environment. And what I found interesting, Becky, was, okay, number one, this is a voluntary you know, basis, right? So you nobody's making you take dogs into the restaurant and yet people treat it as such. You you get where I'm going with that. It's like, it's like just because an ordinance says you may, it doesn't mean you have to, it's like the speed limit. You don't have to to drive 55. Now there are conditions where you can't drive like 35 miles per hour in a 55 mile per hour zone, but you get what I'm saying. You can go 50 miles per hour all day long and you're not breaking any laws. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of it. We've lost the ability to, um, I don't want to say we've lost the ability, but again, we, I think our we've become really strong in our own personal beliefs and less flexible. It feels like maybe in in um, maybe even more protective of those beliefs to a point where we're not even really trying to hear differently. And I think that is um, kind of a, an anomaly that does affect us in veterinary medicine. Whereas again people hear something. I don't know that it's necessarily really research-based and then it becomes their belief. It becomes, you know, the hill that they're going to die on. And in, in we're combating these sort of armchair experts. And I think, again, it, it contributes to the ethical fatigue that we face in the industry where we know better, but here we are having to sort of educate and justify our knowledge to people who have heard something or maybe, you know, read the title, but not the article. Right. And, and so viewfinders, again, we're not talking about dogs and restaurants. We're actually talking about how does this apply to our daily practice? And and I think one of the obvious you know issues that we confront are people that are just resolute that they're not going to have their dogs or cats vaccinated, right? I mean, so so now we've entered into this area of extreme polarization where people are like, I am not going to do that, right? And Becky, we could extend this to, you know, I'm not going to give a heartworm or flea preventive, right? And then they can give a variety of, of reasons. Oh, they think it's toxic or poisonous, or you're making a lot of money off of yeah. me, right? So it's like, where's the in-between ground? Or are we really losing that aspect? I guess that's what I really want to talk to the viewfinders about today. Sure. And, and again, I think it's for us, I can, we can get on the defense really easy but it's hard to find out where people are getting their information. And and what we find out is very rarely is it from any kind of actual expert. And so, you know, people seem to be investing their beliefs very strongly in, in less than expertise um, areas and, and from people who don't maybe necessarily have expertise, but like say it with a lot of confidence. And how do we combat that if we, if again, we don't know the, the sources. And so, Sure, being patient and saying like, well, where do you get your information or or where is it you learned that so I can kind of I can either learn from it or, um, you know, it's it's easy to put those really fluffy answers on it. Right. But like 
the truth of the matter is, is, you know, when you've been working 17 days straight and now it's six o'clock in the evening and you already have, you know, you've already worked overtime and you're ready to go home and you have notes straight, like you don't have the energy for that. So you roll your eyes and you say, fine, like then does the pet end up unprotected because you don't have it in you to argue with this person who it feels like if they're going to invest that heavily in information with no science and maybe why would you take the time and energy to combat that nonsense basically right and i agree you know this is why i've said for for 20 25 years you know it's not a debate right it's a discussion and and my fear is becky that we're coming into an era where clients are coming in looking for a fight yeah. <laughs> they're looking right. for that debate and here i am going hey you know what it's your dog your life you know if you don't want to use the heartworm preventive knock yourself out <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of at that point where I don't I don't want to fight you in the room anymore. And yet they still continue to come at us. And I think that's where I think that's where we're really in danger as a profession, because, you know, it's like, okay, so you walk in the room, Becky, and you say, I'm going to have a positive attitude. I'm going to wear a smile. I'm going to be complimentary. You do all the checks that you're supposed to do. And then the person's like, yeah, you guys just want to fill my dog with toxic chemicals and cancer. Like, wait, what? Where did that come from? Well, right, that's right. You walked into a conversation that you didn't know started, right? right? Because right. they started that conversation well before they ever even on Facebook, yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> so you came into the middle of a confrontation that you were never a part of, and now here you are in the middle of it, and and vice versa, right? Like sometimes I think, right, this is a cycle that we're in because our clients are expecting to get shamed or judged because they have been shamed or judged. And so then they're on the defense and maybe it's not a matter of they're shamed or judged in the clinic, but like how often, and again, like social media, I think is really contributing to this To, You know, you put some kind of comment that people don't agree with and all of a sudden, you know, you're an idiot, like, or you're some like extremely extreme, unnecessary name calling and meanness and like anger coming back at you um, to the point where it's like we're almost riding at that level of if I say something that they don't agree with, they're going to come at me with in, with this level of intensity. And I just don't I just don't have it to deal with. So I'm not going to set myself up for that. Right. And, and, you know, viewfinders, we get it like there are hate raids on social media, but I'm telling you, it's crossing over into the exam. Oh, yeah. room, and that's how it feels, at least, you know, and, and so and, and I know that a lot of us are kind of like. We, we are saying, you know, look, th this is like air rage and, and people just coming in, you know, already amped up and, and just ready to pounce on anything. But I actually think it's it's worse than that, <laughs> Becky. I mean, I think it's like these little subtleties that literally you're like saying, you know, OK, it looks like, uh, you know, Rover here is due for his vaccines. And then suddenly, bam, it blows up. Right. And you're like, wait, I just said your dog's here for his annual vaccines. And now you're getting into an argument about, you know, government conspiracies and microchips. Well, so, and, and, and you're right. And we did that episode talking about what will we be now faced with the word specifically vaccine right. and the repercussions of that. But I, I mean, you're right in the, in the sense that I feel like we are set up for this when we come in again. Um, we, we walk into a client who is ready for everyone seems ready for a battle and, and we, and you're right. Like the air, like the air situations, people in airports, people in public, the rage like that is happening. So it's becoming normalized. It's becoming, I think the place where people are, are starting at it's reflective of so many other things, right? Like we're just at tipping points in so many other ways. However, when the person in the airport rages at the airline 
for the most part, obviously there has been physical assaults and things that are really terrible, but it's like you call the cops. They're gonna you have a ton of support when you land that plane. You actually have an airline full of people who are probably going to stand up for you statistically from what we've seen. You're going to land on the ground. They're going to be arrested. They're going to go to federal court. When our clients rage at us, we're alone in the room taking it. Um, We are a small team being threatened. And on top of that, the pet is losing out. And I think that that's something that weighs heavily on us is that we're combating their beliefs for the betterment of the pet. So like as a flight attendant or a waitress or, or a security guard, with the exception of the fact that their lives are now being at risk, put at risk over vaccines and masks, in a day-to-day confrontation, it's, it's sort of between the two players, right? And so the person who is raging is going to be the one who eventually probably is, is consequent, right? They, have, they pay the consequence. But in our case, it's our teams. It's, our, it's the, the, the pet itself. Um, and so then I think it weighs so much more heavily. The burden becomes a lot heavier. The frustration becomes a lot higher. And there's a sense of helplessness. And I think that's a part that we really need to address and figure out the best that we can. I mean, we've talked, we've seen clinics putting out statements that just basically say we zero tolerance for raging at our teams. Um, and that is very supportive and wonderful. But do, do we feel that support or do we feel alone and burdened in that moment in a way that is really actually scary, right? It's scary for our teams. Yeah, and, and a lot of good things to unpack in, in that, Becky. I mean, you're right. The lack of support, m- most of the time yeah. this is mano a mano in the exam yeah. room, you know, and, and at the end of the day, no matter what happens, the worst thing that you can actually do is probably not see them again, you know, because I haven't heard a lot of, you know, vet clinics that are calling the cops. I mean, you know, and, and again, I don't even know if it's appropriate, right? If they just are being jerks, but, but regardless, I think that what that article about that retirement home really reminded me once again, and we've done podcasts on this before in the past viewfinders. And that is that, you know, we do view the world one way. We expect everybody to love dogs and cats and animals just like we do. And there's a lot of people that are like, keep your filthy animals out of here, you know? And so the way this applies today is there are people who are now saying openly, proudly, that I'm not going to do whatever it is you're recommending. And I will tell you this, my fear, Becky, my, my truest, deepest, darkest fear on this issue is are people being contrarian this day because it's almost fashionable, right? It's, is, it, is it almost trendy to say whatever you're recommending as a medical professional or scientist, I'm not buying but I hope not. Um, I do too, yeah. but I worry. I worry. Yeah, you're right. Like it, the level at this point, is it just the trust is broken? Um, and it's, it's like, yeah, that's a scary thing to think about, but you're, you're right. And there is a, there is a potential. And I think it does speak really strongly to the need to um, educate our clients, to communicate with our clients. But it also kind of, I think, is going to end up eventually shifting to us being more selective about our clients. I think that firing clients is going to become more and more of a thing that becomes accepted and being more like in a space where now most people are not accepting any new clients. Um, I wonder if it's going to change the, the, the fear of turning anyone away like we used to kind of live in to where maybe we are more selective and can create that shift for ourselves in, in who we're able to work with. 
Well, you know, I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly with what you just said, but I'll tell you what, I'm not as optimistic as you are because I think that the pressure from social media will prevent a lot of practices from implementing that. And, and what I mean by that is, Becky, is like, let's say you do fire somebody. Okay, this one time it's legit. You fire this person and they go and create a hate raid on your clinic's website or Instagram or Facebook, right? I think that will then leave you a little more more gun shy, so to speak, to pull that trigger, so to speak. Terrible metaphors here. But, you know, in the future, I think that's that's my biggest fear, because I know these people that when when they are being uh, dissed on, you know, in the real world, they are turning to social media. They are finding compatriots in that topic and they are piling on. That's my biggest that that's what I hate the most about this whole <laughs> issue. Right. Is that they can find they can find supporters out there that are more than happy to say the most awful, nastiest things to strangers and really kind of mess up your day. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that happening, but it makes me wonder if as that continues to happen, we're going to continue to become desensitized to it. I think we already see less scrambling when we have somebody go crazy on our Facebook uh, or in a Yelp than we ever used to. Like, I I think we used to get really upset and really worked up about it. Now there are algorithms that um, and and services that make it a little easier to address some of the comments. I, I know I see things now where people complain and then you're able to comment back. Like, unfortunately, I don't see you as a verified customer on that day. I'd love to speak with you more about this. And people, I think, are getting a little bit, it used to be, again, the customer's always right. And so now people are pushing back on social media saying like, yeah, well, unfortunately, since you were not willing to do anything that we asked and you threw a TV at our heads, we did fire you, (laughs) right? So they're able to tell their side of the story. So I almost wonder if people are, do you think people are getting or will continue to become less sensitized to caring about these crappy reviews because reviews are are becoming rigged in general. Well, I agree they're rigged in general, and I agree we should have a little more you know, resiliency when it comes to this. But Becky, we are very empathetic people. Yeah. <laughs> we are very sensitive. Yeah. That, that's what, you know, because this is a long time coming. I mean, you know, this isn't new. This isn't a new problem, right? We've had clients yelling at us and saying awful things to us. It's just now, as I always say, it's been amplified by social media. Yeah. What, what I, what I think will, you know, what I, what I hope will happen is like you said, it's sort of like at some point, a bunch of these bad actors sort of run out of options and become good actors. I don't know that'll happen, but I can hope. Uh, and then I think on the other end of it, it will hopefully teach a lesson to the people who were maybe not full on jerks, but they were kind of thinking about it. <laughs> maybe it'll give them pause and they'll sit back and reflect and say, OK, you know what? Maybe I'm going to hear out my veterinarian when she talks about heartworm preventive and immunizations. You know, give them a Yeah, chance. I would love I would love it if we could see a time where we were able to align best with our clients. And I think we are getting to a point where. Um, people are, are seeking and getting the information ahead of time. I see people saying, you know, I'm looking for a veterinary clinic that takes a more holistic approach, or I'm looking for the most educated or X, Y, or Z. So I hope that we are able to leverage social media to continue to make kind of a, maybe a, a better match. But in the meantime, you know, how will we deal with really wanting to get the information out and be educators and be the experts in the room? If we're dealing with somebody who doesn't want to listen at all, and, and will it become necessary to make policies and procedures that say you only get to be our client if you adhere to the following standards of care? Yeah. And that's something that we've been toying with for years and, and all that, you know, the customers, you know, sort of uh, 
obligations and and how you should act and and so forth. But Becky, as as we kind of wrap up today's conversation, I do want to just turn it right back to the okay. Look, are are what we I, I'm. I'm optimistic viewfinders. Like I think that we will overcome. I think it only gets better. So I want to lay that out there plainly. But I think what we've what we've really entered into is an era of a very, very, very loud minority. Right. So going back to that original story that kicked this whole thing off about people saying, I want dogs and other pets maybe in a restaurant setting and I don't keep your filthy animal out. I think it's the filthy animal that are in the minority, right? I think they're like the the 20 percenters. But as we've seen with the COVID vaccine in, in our country, a very small percentage can really wreck the, the whole deal for everybody. That's that's where I guess I wanted to talk to you guys about this today, because I think sometimes, Becky, we, we do overshadow the minority and they go, oh, gosh, you know, this is not being heard. And, and now they have a way to be heard. And I don't think I think we have to be careful not to say, oh, the minority opinion is what's going to shape our perspective and our actions. Sure. And I think additionally, we have a tendency to at least I know myself, I'm like, nobody's going to believe that. Like, you know <laughs> right, I mean? right. There's no way people really believe that. And then I'm the, I'm the one that's surprised <laughs> because I'm like, oh my God, they actually believe that. And so I think that we do have to not become complacent or kind of self-righteous even in our understanding of medicine. And remember, and I say this all the time, as long as our clients are bringing poop samples in for heartworm tests, we have education to do. And so as long as we think our clients will know that, um, they don't. And we shouldn't assume that they do, no matter how basic level it is. And remember, you are working against forces that are not scientific, that are just coming up with things. And for whatever reason, they spread more quickly. And maybe it's because people want to believe it more, right? Like it's 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 better to believe right. that I don't have to pay for preventative and my, my pet won't die. And it is because you want to make money then I have to spend time and remember and do more in my daily already overwhelmed life. I just think that we can't give up the hope of educating and we can't become complacent in that and assume um, that we aren't combating forces, even though whatever we're saying sounds crazy because people believe it. Right. And, and that is the thing. That is the one lesson that I think we should learn from human medicine is the fact that people have some outrageous beliefs and they are resolute in that belief and you are not going to budge them at all. Right. I mean, they are not moving off of that rock. And and I mean, hey, I, I believe there was just recently a gathering of hundreds of people who were expecting uh, JFK Jr. to come out of the spot where his father was assassinated oh. so i mean it's like what wait what what is going on you know the world does have some crazy beliefs but again if you find us i don't want us to get down on this i do think that if if the noise of social media is overwhelming and intimidating to you then you need to get off if the clients in the room are giving you a lot of stress and, and again not just casual stress but like literally you know causing challenging you and just you know really making your day very very unfun then you got to get rid of them I think that you know as adults we are in control of sort of who we surround ourselves with and I think Becky you're right my generation we we did have to we try to cater to as many people as a broad diverse you know population of pet owners as possible and now I think we're in an era where you can refine that so find the people that do believe the way you do. Find the people that do support your actions. Find the people that sort of behave in a civil fashion because I think they're out there and I think that we're really just going through a transition period. But I also know that these are real challenges that we're all facing and it's worth a conversation. 
Yeah, and I guess it would be irresponsible if we didn't say that. It's on both sides, you know. So just because a client is yeah. saying something you've never heard or doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, it doesn't mean that it, it it's not something that you should kind of open up your ears to. I guess all in all, at the end of this podcast is mostly just like, um, can we listen as much as we want to be heard? When we think about communication, a lot of times we talk about how to better communicate it usually involves like how to talk to people um, some kind of way, but it, it works both ways. So we got to listen as much as we want to be heard uh, for effective communication. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and again, if you're making recommendations that aren't based in science and evidence and aren't really adhering to the general recommendations or gold standards, uh, then you should probably have a very valid reason for that. Uh, and again, you know, one of the things that in communication we always talk about, it's about the follow-up question. So if a person says, oh, you know, I don't want you filling my dog full of these toxic cancer-causing chemicals, so no vaccines or no whatever, right? Then, you know, you say, well, exactly what chemicals are you worried about? Or, or where, where are some of the studies could you just share with me, right? That's what we would normally say. Well, flip the switch, as Becky just said, and, and you're, you're saying now, yearly vaccines for distemper in dogs or cats. And then that question says, well, or the client questions you saying, well, hey, can you show me why, why would you do this every year? I mean, I thought they were doing like extended duration uh, protocols now. You better be prepared, right, Becky? Because I think that there's enough guilt on both sides of this issue that we want to make sure that we're giving evidence-based, scientifically-based, medically sound recommendations at all times. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I think, you know... I love to give everyone free therapy when I learn from my therapist is do we have the opportunity to to find out where they're coming from before we even try to explain where we're coming from? So, you know, um, if we can ask those questions that say, like, what have your experiences been with vaccines? What are your thoughts on vaccines? You know, um, this is the best practices. This is an alternative route. This is a tighter test we can give and then not have to give any vaccines here's a bunch of different options. Um, tell me your thoughts on, you know, I'm not saying overwhelming them, but I think so often it is about us being heard. And if we can kind of find out where they're coming from, even on these things where they're super polarized, um, maybe the goal in that conversation isn't even going to be to give your opinion, but just to completely understand where they're coming from. And then, you know, we can, we can learn better how to address that. Um, I think when people are, the more polarized they are, the the less they're going to be open-minded and thinking. And, and it's like literally chemical body reaction, right? They're they're amped, they're they've got you know adrenaline going if they're angry or yelling or if we're in a bad situation. They're they're just literally incapable of hearing you. Like their brain chemistry does not like put them in an MRI machine. They cannot hear you. So it is it is the <laughs> most important time to listen. And to wait till later to be heard. And, and that is a super hard practice in general. But so if we can come into these conversations with our clients saying, like, tell me everything you know about that so I can learn from you. They're, it empowers them. And then everything that they're trying to scream at you that they want you to hear is already on the table. They already feel heard. So um, and then if you find yourself being incredibly polarized about a topic that, that maybe that's a client you can't see, is there somebody else in your in your clinic that can? 
because you shouldn't have to compromise your values either. Good point. Good point. And again, all of this is predicated viewfinders on civil discourse. So yeah, we have to be big boys and girls in these conversations. And I think that's the dividing line for me, because if I'm now saying to that client, well, explain to me or listen, I would like to hear more or learn more or whatever. And then they get belligerent about yeah. it, Becky, you know, that's when we say, hey, we have to be adults here. And I'm not saying that just, you know, to, to as a joke, I'm saying that as a serious point, because if you can't have that civil discourse, then I just don't have time for it, Becky. This is why, again, it's not a debate. You know, it's a discussion. And if you're just going to sit there and continue to spew nonsense and hate and threats at me, I've, I, I, as an adult, have to say I need to remove myself from the situation. Like, that's, that's, that's what we got to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nobody should be being threatened or the things that we're hearing are happening in in this industry right now. I think the goal for us in this conversation a lot more than that is to sort of open up the thinking about about the polarized thinking in general and saying, is this is this happening to you? And if if you're seeing a client who is unbudgeable, um, how can you get out of that situation without compromising your own beliefs and morals or thinking, I, I'm not even going to bother because that's the part I'm really scared about is right, that at the end right, of the day, people right. are going to say, I'm not even going to bother and the pets are losing out. Yeah. And Becky, that's actually a real consequence. So viewfinders, are you seeing more polarized pet parents in your clinic? Are you seeing these types of discussions, arguments, debates occurring in your exam rooms? I, I really want to hear your perspectives on it because we're we're hearing this from colleagues all over the country and quite frankly, all over the world. That these types of challenges are happening and we really just want to help you guys try to manage it, mitigate it, you know, try to get through your day because I will say this will suck the soul out of you. This is the kind of stuff that leads to burnout. This is the kind of stuff that makes you just want to leave the profession. And, and Becky, I just, that breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, and it, we can always learn from each other and how you deal with it and you know, w what your resiliency and coping mechanisms are. So you can find us on Facebook at, and Instagram at veterinary viewfinder and on Twitter at vet viewfinder. That's right. If you really want to see some heated conversations, go over to Twitter. Oof. Not our Twitter necessarily, but yeah. So Viewfinders, it's been a real pleasure talking to you guys about this topic. This is a tough one and not a lot of answers, but we really need to find a path forward. So we want to hear your advice and tips and some of your stories out there. So again, until next week, Becky's going to be around. No more deployments in the next couple of weeks, but I think she's got some fun stuff planned with her family, right? I'm taking my nieces to Disney and they don't know. So I can say it because yeah. they don't listen to this podcast. But we are surprising them with a trip to Disney. So, um, oh, I want to go. I, I want to go. But if you, anybody out there that knows me knows this is happening because it's all I can talk about. Um, so, yes, it is. It is. I'm currently polarized with my trip to Disney. <laughs> well, great. Well, viewfinders, we can't wait to talk to you. And again, Becky will be around. She's not going to even miss a podcast because of that because we're going to plan ahead. But until next week, guys, talk to you soon. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.